Well, if you're not a fan of low-skilled immigrants taking your jobs, taking your money, receiving benefits because they can't support themselves, and then voting for Democrats who will screw you over even more, then you're in luck because the Supreme Court just gave the green light for the Trump administration to stop immigrants who will be a drain on society from coming. And speaking of restrictions, uh, can we stop these planes from coming from China? Enough. Stop it. The State Department issued a warning yesterday. Yeah, a warning. They said, we strongly advise you don't go to Hubei, China. Oh, man. Hubei. I mean, that's where I was planning on taking the kids this spring. A warning? Uh, really? We have potentially over 100 cases of this coronavirus here in America. I think we could use a full ban, Mr. Pompeo. Plus, America is not the greatest country in the world, really? That's what college students are saying. I suggest they try getting a better education in Chiapas, all right? I'm John Miller. The White House Brief begins now. Technology in America is something else, man. I mean, I used to be super high-tech, super savvy, and now I'm just like, can they stop changing things? Uh, your car, for example. I mean, my car is now just like a giant computer. You've got the electronically controlled transmissions, the touchscreen displays, all of these sensors. It's like, can you stop beeping for a second? And then it breaks, like all technology. For instance, I have this automated key. You know, the cars, they don't have keys anymore. They just have like a fob. And then when you get in the car, you press a button to start the car. But my fob ran out of battery, and so I couldn't get into my car. And then when I could, I couldn't start it. And there's no charger for, like, the key. So I had to have someone pick me up, take me home to get my spare, and then go to the dealership to get the other one fixed. It's a hassle. And that is exactly why you need CarShield. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. Just choose your favorite mechanic or dealership, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They offer 24-7 roadside assistance and even a rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield. It does not need to be a new fancy car. It doesn't matter if it's got 5 miles or 5,000 miles. Something will break on your car. I guarantee it. So don't wait until you check your engine light to come on. Get covered by CarShield today. Call 800-CAR-6000 and mention code WHB or visit carshield.com and use code WHB to save 10%. That's carshield.com. Code WHB, and a deductible may apply. Carshield.com, code WHB. All right, so the Supremes have decided that they are siding with Trump on this key issue of letting people in on immigration who would be dependent on the government for their money, thus costing you the taxpayer. This, my friends, is why getting Trump into office for these justices alone was worth it in and of itself. The Supreme Court issued an order Monday allowing the Trump administration to begin enforcing new limits on immigrants who are considered likely to become overly dependent on government benefit programs. Oh, you think? Oh, you think? He's allowed to do that. Obviously, the president can regulate who can and cannot come into this country, and it is absurd to suggest otherwise. 
read the Immigration and Nationality Act. I mean, I, I know it's in English. I know it's in English, so it, it might be a little tough, but it definitely grants the executive the power to determine who can and cannot come into the country. And so in August, if you remember, Trump issued a, uh, a very mild rule, all right, to screen out immigrant applicants who would be a drain and thus an expense to Americans, to taxpayers. It's common sense. It's common sense. Why, why would we invite people into the country to take stuff that we earned? And so acting deputy DHS secretary Ken Cuccinelli explained that the proposed rules that they did in August would be successful in doing this. Ensuring that immigrants are able to support themselves and become successful here in America. And if they can't, well, they're considered what they call a public charge. But of course, this this radical idea made news anchors like Don Lemon very upset. I said this president's immigration policy is so cruel it would make Lady Liberty hang her head in shame. Mm. Mm. What are you, in kindergarten? But the left, they govern with those exact kinds of feelings. And so a New York federal judge, in response to a, in, in response to a lawsuit filed by Connecticut, Vermont, and New York, along with immigration aid groups, issued a nationwide injunction to block the government from simply doing its job to regulate and deny entry to foreign nationals. So then the Trump administration took this to the Supreme Court, said, look, there's nothing illegal about what we're doing. In fact, two appeals courts are refusing to block the the new public charge rule. It's not really new because the law clearly gives the government and specifically the DHS broad authority to determine to determine what's a public charge. And so there's nothing illegal about what they're trying to do. That's what the Fourth and Ninth Circuit said. So the Supreme Court came back and stated the obvious, okay, yeah, the president does have the power to decide who comes into this country. And by a 5-4 vote, they stayed, meaning they declined, the injunction that these judges, these rogue judges, tried to put on Trump's public charge rule. So this is a win. Banning people from coming into the country who are reliant on the government means less immigration. And that's a good thing. You don't mean you, you don't mean less legal immigration, do you? Oh, yes, I do. Oh, yes, I do. We have enough people here who are dependent on the government. We do not need more. Unfortunately, we don't get to choose who's born here, but we do get to choose whom we bring in. And we want to bring in people who will strengthen the country. Why would we want to bring in people who cost us and take from what we've earned and worked hard for? I I mean, that's the exact opposite of what we're told by the advocates of immigration. We're told the immigrants enhance our society and contribute wonders. And they're going to be the next Mark Zuckerbergs. And they're going to invent a spaceship to Mars. And they're going to cure brain cancer. Can we all then agree that the ones who are not contributing and are a drain on society don't need to be here because when you look at the rates of immigration and immigrants who are on welfare, the bar on the very left, that bar, more than half of immigrant households in 2012 are using at least one major welfare program. That's versus 30% of natives. Welfare in this case includes Medicaid and cash, food, and household programs. Additionally, not all welfare nationalities are made the same. 
This chart shows the percentage of immigrant-headed households using one or more welfare programs. And it's very different, as you can see, depending on the region. Households headed by immigrants from Central America and Mexico have by far the highest welfare use at a whopping 73%, followed by immigrants from the Caribbean, Africa, and South America. The rates are lowest from East Asia, Europe, and South Asia. And yet, where do we bring in most of our immigrants from? Well, Mexico is the top origin country of the U.S. immigrant population. In 2017, 11.2 million immigrants living in the U.S. were from there, accounting for 25% of all U.S. immigrants. So I've got a, I've got a really elementary question here. Yes, you know, a stupid question for a stupid xenophobe like me. Based on the sheer numbers, why are we taking in the most immigrants from the country that takes the most from us? If the goal of immigration is to improve the country, to make us better, then why would we do this? Most common sense Americans would say we wouldn't. And luckily, five justices understand how stupid it is to have a lower court prohibit a, a modest enforcement of a longstanding law. But here's what most people don't understand. And it gets a little weedy, so bear with me here. But two justices wrote a concurring opinion. A concurring opinion is an opinion written by one or more judges that agrees with the decision that is made However, it states different or additional reasons as the basis for the decision. And so this is key. In this case, yes, it was five to four, but these two justices, Justice Gorsuch and Justice Thomas, wrote a concurring opinion. This is really important because in their concurrence, Justices Neil Gorsuch and Justice Thomas explained that these lower courts have been issuing nationwide injunctions much more often than they have in the past. And that's getting to be a real problem. These little rogue courts stopping everything Trump is trying to do. And so these two justices, they called on their colleagues to stop doing this because it is causing, quote, chaos for the litigants, the government, the courts, and all those affected by these conflicting decisions. These universal injunctions you know, you hear all of it coming out of the Ninth Circuit and what have you. These universal injunctions, universal injunctions, they're getting out of control. They're getting so out of control. And if Trump were able to get done what he legally attempted to do with the powers vested in him without these illegitimate judges trying to stop him, I mean, Trump would have nothing to do in a second term if you were actually able to accomplish it. But these judges that think if they don't like something Trump is doing, if they don't agree with it politically, well, they can just slap it down and thwart his entire policy. That's not how it works. It's not legitimate, it's not their role, and it's not constitutional. We cannot legitimize this game of judicial vetoes. And the other branches, need to put these justices and judges in their place and refuse to let them step out of bounds. The judiciary is one of three branches of government and the executive and the legislative have the power and they should use it.
Who here is excited about dying from coronavirus? Well, you better get excited as of now because your government is not doing the most basic thing they possibly could to prevent the virus from being imported here, which is shutting down travel from the source of the virus, which is China. The coronavirus, it's similar to SARS. I don't know if you remember SARS, <coughs> you know, where you shiver and die of a 200 degree fever and cough your lungs out of your face. Yeah, remember that? Well, that also originated in China. And now with the coronavirus, Chinese officials announced 25 additional deaths from the infection, raising the death toll to 106. Officials have confirmed more than 4,400 cases of the novel coronavirus nationwide and more than 2,700 cases in Hubei, the province where Wuhan is located, according to a virus tracker maintained by researchers at John Hopkins University. And that's all they've confirmed. That's all they've confirmed. But, you know, it's China. So, I mean, can we really trust that the Chinese government would be telling us the truth? They're not exactly known for being forthright in their answers. There are already five confirmed cases in the United States. Those five people are putting everyone around them at risk in the United States. Do we really need to bring in any more people who have been exposed to the virus? I think it's time we called for another complete and total shutdown until we can figure out what the hell is going on. But for some reason, for some reason, the State Department has only issued a warning to reconsider travel to China. Uh, could it be? Could it be because of political correctness? It wouldn't be politically correct to impose a ban, would it? Thank God Josh Hawley is one of the few expressing concerns over this, and he penned a letter to cabinet members asking, what the hell, dude? I, I mean, <laughs> those weren't his exact words, but he wants to make sure that the public safety, a.k.a. the lives of the American people, are going to be put over some ridiculous political or economic concerns. And so, therefore, he is asking if a travel suspension is under consideration. It's a legitimate question. And I say, why wouldn't it be? I say, just shut it all down. I, I mean, the idiot who thinks, well, oh, it's, it's not going to happen to me. Well, doesn't get the option to put us at risk, okay? Because all of us are at risk. My colleague Daniel Horowitz writing at Conservative Review says, an epidemic that begins in another country can only spread to America if we admit people at our ports of entry traveling from the source country. Yet whenever a public health crisis breaks out, such as the Ebola crisis in West Africa in 2014 and in Congo last year, a temporary travel ban seems to be the last thing on the minds of the federal agencies responsible for protecting public health rather than the first option. Immigration and travel are regarded as too sacred to restrict. I mean, duh, right? Duh. It's, I mean, it's common sense. It's common sense. The American people know it. This is why they elected Donald Trump, because he was the only candidate running on a platform that was essentially, well, let's do what makes sense. So I don't much appreciate people like Pompeo in his cabinet at the State Department focusing on, oh, well, I don't know, uh, uh, places like other places, shall we say, rather than protecting lives right here in America. Trump ran on America first and America first would be would be saying, hey, you know what, China, 
you know, I know we're trying to do a trade deal, but you can't trade with us if all of our customers are dead from coronavirus. But instead, Trump administration saying we are in very close communication with China concerning the virus. Very few cases reported in USA, but strongly on watch. We have offered China and President Z any help that is necessary. Our experts are extraordinary. Yeah, he's monitoring the situation. He's monitoring the situation, guys. Good. He's monitoring it. No, we're monitoring the situation. <laughs> you, sir, are the president. So get Mike Pompeo on the phone. Tell Mike Pompeo that as Secretary of State, you need to take care of this. Bump China up to a level four travel advisory, which means do not travel. No travel to and from China. Coordinate with your people, Mike Pompeo, and shut it all down. Do you love America? A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. It turns out even people who live here, in fact, fewer young Americans than ever believe America is the greatest country on earth. Cabot Phillips with Campus Reform went to take this theory to the test and talk to some of the most privileged human beings on the planet, attendees of the very elite, prestigious Georgetown University here in Washington, D.C. Here's what they had to say when they were asked about America. Do you think that the U.S. is the greatest in the world? It's awful. America is awful. Yeah, it is. In what way? Racism. It's not the greatest country in the world. I don't necessarily think that the United States um, is the greatest country in the world. But currently with the political climate, I would say it's not the greatest country in the world. One of them, not the greatest. Um, I wouldn't say it's the greatest country in the world, but I wouldn't say like you can really name any country to be that way. Yes, but barely at this point. America's not great, and we treat immigrants like so that's a thing too. Got it. In what way? In trying to stop them from getting jobs. Mm. Editor-in-chief at Campus Reform, Cabot Phillips, is here with me now to walk me through exactly what that was. Uh, what was that? Because, <laughs> because more students than anywhere else in the world come to America. It's over a million students. That's more than the UK. That's more than China. So why do they hate America so much? When you ask what this is, this is a reflection of, of the education system in America. I think this is the result of not just what's being taught in class, but what's not being taught in class. First off, with what is being taught, this is what happens when you teach students that the history of America is one of bigotry, of racism, of hatred, and that's what America is founded on. So a lot of these students feel like, well, if I say America is great, it means that I endorse all of those problems that America's had. So America must be evil because they ignore all the positive elements. Later on in this video, I asked people, well, what about American exceptionalism? Is that a term you're familiar with? Is this something that you're taught? And student after student said, no, I don't think I've heard that term, or no, that's not something in class. And so I think when you have the combination of not teaching American exceptionalism, and then when you do teach about American history, it's how evil we are and how we're founded on racism and bigotry, that creates this environment. I had one student all day that said, actually, yeah, I do think America's the greatest. And afterwards they told me, where's this video gonna go? I'm, I'm worried that people might find out I think this, as if it's something evil to think that your country is great. Incredibly disappointing. I do think this has a role in the way that our country goes moving forward because you can't expect people to want to fight to preserve a way of living if they don't think it's anything special to begin with. You had one student, one student who yeah. said, yes, America is the greatest country in the world. And yeah. that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. And you were asking students, uh, do you know what American exceptionalism is? We don't have time to play the video, but a lot of students, 
said, no, they've never heard of it. We're at Georgetown University. Georgetown yeah. University is not exactly uh, your, you know, your community college. It's supposed to be one of the greatest universities in the world. And it's not like this is an opinion concept. It's not like this is some radical theory. I mean, American exceptionalism, and they also teach uh, English exceptionalism, but it's the idea that because America was founded on political documents and on an idea that ensured Americans' freedom, it created the greatest country in the world. And it's a historical fact. It's a historical fact that America yeah. has prospered more than any other country because of the ideals that it was founded on. And they're just not teaching that in these universities. And when you also hear the way American exceptionalism has been talked about this decade, it's not always great either. Look at President Obama. A lot of these kids grew up under eight years of the Obama presidency, and they saw him disparage the concept of American exceptionalism. President Obama famously said, well, America is exceptional in the way that every country thinks they're exceptional, as if, well, every country is great. We can't really be that much better, kind of this cultural relativism. But also it's interesting how so many of these students cited our immigration policies as the reason for why we aren't anything special, as if the way that we're treating immigrants in their mind, but they must be talking about illegal immigrants, because we treat legal immigrants maybe more generously than any country in the history of mankind. But when they view the way we treat illegal immigrants, i.e. trying to stop them from crossing our borders, that means we're evil, which kind of proves the point of how great we are. You don't see people hopping on rafts, risking their lives to get to Sweden and Norway and Finland and some of the other countries that they named in this video as the greatest in the world. You don't see caravans lining up and going to Canada. They come to America because they know that we are the truest beacon of freedom that the world has to offer. And sadly, so many of the people living here, the dare I say privileged people living here, don't seem to understand the privilege they have to be in America. And I'd be curious to know if they actually know how other countries treat illegal immigrants and how their immigration policies are in comparison to ours, because they'd be a little surprised to find out that we are some of the best. Cabot, thank you for joining us. We're out of time. Thanks for watching White House Brief. We'll see you guys next time. Hey guys, thank you for listening to the White House Brief podcast. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to the podcast. Please rate it. And if you feel like doing it, please leave a review. It really helps us out. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.